All right. You know what we're going to do tonight? Now study the Bible. So you should have a Bible with you. Amen. Anybody know what we're preaching on? Parables, parables of Jesus. Okay, and we're going to cover some parables tonight. But uh, I mentioned on Sunday that uh, several people had asked me um, uh, about Revelation, the book of Revelations. And uh, we did several years ago Dr. Hilton Sutton's DVD series uh, where he walked through the book of Revelations. And um, it's, I went back and I got the DVD set to look at it to see how long it is. And it's uh, 14 um, one-hour um, lessons. And so what we did last time is we did two lessons a night for seven weeks. And, excuse me, and it was an additional service. So we did like a Sunday evening um, service. Uh, the other thing is that we've got Faith Foundations, uh, it's going to be coming up in January, we'll be talking about it later, which for the uh, 11 weeks that it runs, uh, it's going to be a Tuesday night. So I was struggling with having a Sunday night, you know, our normal Sunday morning service, a Sunday night service for the, the Revelations, uh, a Tuesday night service on Faith Foundations and a Wednesday night service. And for it to happen for seven weeks on the Revelations and 11 weeks on the Faith Foundations. And I don't want to draw anything away from the Faith Foundations. So what I'm going to do is, uh, can you get your seatbelt on? I'm going to teach it. Revelations. And uh, so instead of doing an extra night, Sunday night, I'm just going to do it on Wednesdays. Now, I've got probably three more tonight and two more uh, Wednesday nights on the parables. I believe that's where my, my calendar goes through on what I'm going to do on the parables, and we'll cover all the parables. And so somewhere around, I don't know where I wrote it. I know I wrote it down. But somewhere around, it's probably on my offering envelope that's in the offering. Um, oh, you know what? I had another note on my offering envelope, too. <laughs> Uh, and I don't remember what that was. I'll have to send James back. James not in here, is he? Um, no. Uh, well, that's fine. Uh, they're probably over in the office locking that up. Just ask him to get my, my note off of <laughs> my offering and how to post it on there. And um, so um, I'm going to do it a little bit differently um, than the DVD series and how we did it before in that. Instead of doing a two-hour, it's going to be a normal Wednesday night service, so it'll be about an hour, uh, something like that of ministry time. And, but I want to do it like an hour at a time to where we can still have like question and answers. Because uh, you can't ask uh, Dr. Sutton uh, questions for two reasons. He's in heaven now, and he's on DVD here. And um, so, so I'm going to start doing that somewhere around, you know, like the end of, uh, uh, there is no Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. So it might be the first Wednesday in um, uh, December. But I'm also going to, what he did not do, I'm going to add in Daniel and the 70 weeks and show how uh, I'm going to do a little um, on the rapture of the church before we go into it. So when we start talking about the rapture of the church in the book of Revelations, you have some historical background from prophecies from Daniel and stuff like that. So it will be kind of a long series, like 14 weeks on Revelations, and then uh, probably a week or two uh, on the, the rapture of the church beforehand. But that's kind of my plan. Um, and uh, we'll just do that on a Wednesday night to not add an additional service. Okay? And um, I know we had a good showing of hands of how many people was interested in being at the Hilton Sutton. I hope the rest of the people are so willing to hear it on Wednesday night if you didn't raise your hand. All right. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. The very first parable that we talked about was out of Mark chapter 4 which was the parable of the sower. And in that, he said that if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the parables. So I keep reminding us as we go through different parables, because we're looking at um, a different... Okay, if we... Um, I'll just make an interruption. There's another note on there, and I don't remember what it was about off the top of my head, so I'll just make an interruption when he gets back with, with my note. So every parable that we're looking at the parable of the sower applies to it. And basically, the word is sown, and our heart's condition uh, determines what kind of an outcome that's going to be. Because remember, the four grounds were the four conditions of the heart. Now, 
Jesus' parables teach us how to live in this natural realm. I would listen to him. Um, people say they believe in Jesus and they're going to go live with him in eternity and, and everything like that. But we don't want to listen to what he has to say here. But you can't separate how this works from what he taught. And so again, we're going to look at it. Now, there's a simplicity in the Word of God. People will like get into the Word of God. Oh, man, I can't understand this. Paul's writings, they're so hard. Ah, oh, Revelation, I'm afraid of it. Uh, you know, and uh, really, there's a simplicity of the Word of God. Do it. Don't, don't try to, to rationalize it and justify it. Just do what he says. Walking with God is really that easy. Now, or, or let me not say that easy because it's not easy. It's just that simple. Okay, now doing it, now that's where the, the bear, because we're fighting ourselves. And uh, so we're going to start off here in uh, Luke chapter 6. Um, amen. We're going to get this thing down. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6. Yeah. Excited about the word. Amen. All right. Verse 39. And Jesus spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Now, we kind of know what the answer to that question is, right? Uh, especially back in the day. Thank you, sir. Oh, you know what I wanted to do? Is uh, I, I just wanted to, I, I was thinking about today, you know, we're getting ready to go to the missions conference. And uh, I was thinking about the missions that we do here. And I know we talk about things in different segments, but I was thinking about the, the Kenya Medical Clinic. And uh, do you realize that the, the Kenya Medical Clinic, we raised, I think it came out to close $120,000 when it was all said and done. Um, uh, me speaking about it at the missions conference two years ago prompted other people to give. We took something like 75000 back there, and I think the difference was like 120. And we took that building... And when I say we, I mean God through God, God empowered us to take that, that building, make two floors, a uh, turn it into qualifying medical clinic. One's a theater, what they call a theater, a surgical room. And uh, it's all ready, and there's a big ramp thing up on because there's no elevators uh, in the building. So, like, they'll gurney people up a, a ramp, you know, and it has to go corners and stuff like that and go up. And we raised the money for that. And then we've bought probably about 40% of the medical equipment that's going into it. Now, we ran into a problem on this because of inflation. And uh, the rest of the medical clinic, clinic had gone up. We had 100% raised. We bought about 40%. So the 60% um, uh, I'm working on through David Shipman Ministries of 90000 Believing God, and I'm going to be able to speak about this at the missions conference. Believing God that he will... Uh, uh, Pumped on people's hearts to sow into it, and so lock your faith with me on that. But I've gotten five thousand so far of that, so we only need eighty-five thousand. And then the Kenya clinic is typically in the the video up here is for ten months of operation, so that when it starts, because they got to get like the insurance processing going, you know how the how the governmental insurance, you know, it takes them a while to pay and get people coming in. And uh, I heard it one time. I'm going to uh, verify it with uh, George Gache when I'm back in Ohio, but I think they said the surrounding area was 200,000 people that will use the clinic or have access to use of the clinic, that this would be the, cl the closest clinic for them to come to and whatnot and use it. So uh, we have an effect to, to reach and touch 200,000 people in this. And once we get, uh, once I'm able to raise the rest of this 90,000, we're working on the 10 months and we're tracking on that. Do you realize that, look, look, look around real quick. We, there, there's no balconies. Okay. There's not somebody up on top of the, the tile. The cave is only half full right now, and you know the rest of it's about half full. Uh, do you realize that God threw us, when this thing gets said and done, 120 and 90. Who's my math person here, Reba? 120 and 90. 210. Okay, and then 70. 280. $280,000 we will have put into this and got a clinic fully running and going. Isn't that something to praise God about? Yes, sir. I, I mean, don't ever limit what God can do in your life. I mean, there's no way from the natural to look at 
our facility here to look at, at if everybody shows up on the same day. Uh, we had 101 uh, a week or two ago. You know, we might have 110 people say, yeah, I go to that church. Uh, but usually we're around 80, 90, something like that on a Sunday. And uh, God's done that through us. Amen. I don't know of anybody in here that's just filthy rich and can just, you know, write out a $100,000 check or something like that. And, and somehow or another, God has done that. I, I just thought it, I just wanted to share and uh, thank you all for standing with the vision on that and believe in God, because that's, that's an amazing thing to do. All right, we're in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Um, he spake a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? Do you know, obviously it's no, but there's a lot of people that follow the blind. And he's talking about spiritually here. There's a lot of people that can quote you a verse, tell you a story, talk about Daniel, talk about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, talk about Peter, talk about Paul, but they don't know how to make it work. And because of their charismatic personality, people will follow them. And, and remember, he's, uh, he's speaking a parable, which is the truth of the kingdom. Shall they not both fall into the ditch? You better, you better pay attention. I would even say that of me. You better pay attention and know uh, that Things that I preach are coming out of the Bible, and I'm not uh, teaching uh, David doctrine. Because David will only get you so f- as far as David can go. But Jesus can get you all the way to the end. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or mature shall be as his master. This really ties into that, um, to the last three Sundays where I talked on honor. You, you've got to live a life of honor. You've got to know where you're at. If you want to get promoted, honor is what's going to bring you favor and bring you promotion. And many people cannot live submitted. Submitted to the word. Submitted in honor, esteeming others higher than themselves. Doing the things that Jesus said to do. Remember, what Jesus' parables do is tell us how the spirit works and how we're to live. Verse 40 or verse 41. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eyes, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eyes? Now, there, there's two or three things that we can derive out of this is number one. Why do you behold what's in your brother's eyes? Why are you even looking? Why are you even judging the person? And why don't you see what your own self is dealing with? Now, I summarize this in a way I've used. You've probably heard me use the phrase before. We judge others by what they do, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Because when somebody does something, you know you've done it before, and you're all mad. I can't believe they said that to me. But you've said that before to somebody. You know, maybe not the exact same words, but the same attitude, the same negative thing. No, 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 you don't understand. I, I didn't mean it that way. But they, now it's interesting, and I picked this, this uh, parable today because I've been talking a lot about how we live with other people in this world. We are to walk in love one with another. If you're looking for the fault in somebody else, what they're doing wrong, are you walking in love with them? See, what should I be looking for? Biblically, how to help them, how to encourage them, how to, hit, how to get them through whatever it is that they're going through. Either, verse 42, either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull the mote out that is in thine eye, when thou beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Um, we receive... For we believe that the issues of other people are bigger than the issues of ourself. Because we're trying, right? How many times somebody said, you don't know my heart. So actually, I can pretty much tell just by looking at what you do and say. From the abundance of the heart, your, your life reveals itself. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> now, now, this is Bible and not me. You hypocrite. This is Jesus. 
Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eyes. Now, the general context of this is the focus of your life, um, the focus of your walk in life. Are you, are you trying to, uh, you know, fix everybody? And what he's clearly saying here is fix, fix yourself first. I'll, I'll help you with something. On the fixing of yourself, it'll take you a lifetime to do it. Because our lives are like onions. You peel the layer off, and all of a sudden there's another piece of the onion. And if we will focus on, am I walking right? On uh, We're reading in Romans uh, 15 on, uh, in our uh, online Bible study on Tuesday. And uh, was talking about not putting stumbling blocks in front of other people, how we walk with them, how we deal with them, uh, you know, and everything like that. It was all about the whole walk with Christ is, is, is walking with other people. And the whole way to keep all the destruction out is to esteem them higher than yourself. Because once... <clears throat> the focus of a person turns on themselves. Now wants, desires, lust are going to uh, rise up in the equation, and that's going to be the driving force of our life. Because the whole process of, of a life of giving, and when I say a life of giving, don't just reduce it down to money, because that's a part of it, but that's not the context of it, is living to give, how can I help you, takes the focus off me. Now, what most people do, well, what am I supposed to do about me? Well, God says, let me take care of you. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. My, my life should be, God's going to take care of me. How can I help you? But most people live in the context of how they feel, how they think of them, how it's going for them, how, what can I get out of this? And it's a really crazy thing because... God can give us more than what we can get for ourselves, but we don't trust him. Because if I really trusted that he could give me more, then I would do what he said and leave, let people live their life. Help them where they need help. It's not like let them just live in sin and go crash and burn. No, help them where you can help them. But, uh, but, but don't, don't look at it from what I can get out of this. How can I help you and let God give it to me? Once I can get rid of my, my focal points uh, of what I want, it's a lot easier to walk in this. Now, remember, Mark chapter 4, he says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. Mark chapter 4, the parable was of the sowing, that you're going to sow in a, according to your heart. That's how you're going to reap. And, and so if my focus is on you and my receiving is on God... I can walk free. I'm not burdened down by anything. And I've said it before. This is one of the, the keys. Uh, and when I, I discovered this, I really, it was, it was through a series of events. I can't go to one parable and say, oh, I read this and it, it just opened my eyes. But I don't lay awake at night. I don't live in worry. I'm not anxious for anything. I, I, I'm very relaxed through life. Uh, even when, you know, temperature rises a little bit, you know, people's attitude kind of gets up there. I'm able to stay calm and I don't go, I don't meditate on it for six hours. Usually 10 minutes, I've forgotten it. I've moved on. And, uh, uh, but there's a way to let, hey, can I help you? Now, having read that, go back. Oh, no, before, uh, so the focus on this is, is our walk with God. But let's go back to verse 37, same chapter. We didn't read it. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. This is leading us into this moat thing and beams and eyes. Don't judge. Come on, let's just be honest. How, how, can you see how judging works, like that you're judgmental of things? Raise your hand. It's very easy to be judgmental of things, right? Okay, yeah. let me give you a verse. Judge not. <laughs> now, now you've got to understand this from your standpoint. The Bible says, judge not, and you will not be judged. See, it's better for you and me to do this. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. 
Now again, going back to Mark chapter 4, sowing reaping. Can I, you know, I did this, and then I heard Andre, um, uh, Latrice's uh, son, I don't know, is that a secret that you told me the other day? Oh, he's, uh, no. uh, he's going to be out here next week. Is it next week? No, it's two weeks. Two weeks. So uh, Andre's going to come back to North Carolina again and visit us, so you get to see him, hug him. But anyway, uh, he said it one time, and he says, you know, I saw my brothers getting spanked. And I thought, I don't want that. So I'm not going to do what they did. Deep revelation, right? And wasn't, isn't the story goes that he rarely, rarely, if ever, got spanked? I mean, he was just a good kid. But, but what motivated him? I, I don't want to get what they got. Okay, verse, judge not, and you shall not be judged. In fact, there's another verse that says that with the same element that you judged, you're going to be judged. The more judgmental you are, the harder judgment you are going to stand in. Now, this doesn't take a rocket scientist, but I, I realize from people's posts uh, that a lot of people don't get things. That's not going to go good for you. Amen. Yes, oh, he's bringing up Mike. So, so in this verse, he told us to judge not, condemn not, and forgive. Because if anybody here ever make a mistake, like called a sin, Okay, you want God to forgive you real easily? Be forgiving. Go ahead. Where did you go? Oh. Um, if you're talking about... Oh, you're not on. Is the light on? Hello? Yeah. Oh. Well, not for live stream. Okay, go ahead and ask and I'll read. Okay. Oh, there you go. Um, if you're talking about judging like the world, because there is another Bible verse where it says to judge yourself and then judge... Um, when they're sent in the church to be able to judge that, um, but not the people in the world. Yeah, this is talking about being judgmental. The verses you're talking about uh, is to judge yourself and you will not be judged. And so we should judge ourselves. And in fact, judging ourselves goes back to verse uh, 42. Either how canst thou say to thy brother, uh, no, not that one. Um, why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in your own eye? If you judge yourself, you'd see your own beam. And it's kind of like, I need to work on me and not work on you. So, so yeah, in that, and the Bible also says that the spiritual judge all things. Now, that's going to be spiritual matters. It doesn't mean you go around judging. I heard of somebody recently, in fact, it's funny because I heard somebody say it recently, and pastor used it in his... Uh, in his message, and he says, some, pe some people walk around and they think God's given them um, uh, the gift of judging people. <laughs> it's like, it's not a gift. It's a critical spirit. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to walk around and, and critique everything you do. Another verse in the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, we should watch out for one another, provoke one another to love, encourage one another, but we should not do it judgmentally. And, and a lot of people do it judgmentally. And, and you can, I guess you've got the right to do it, just re realize what the verse says is that uh, you're going to be judged the same way that you judge. So he tells us here, right as he's going into this parable, don't do it. Stop judging people. Stop condemning people. How do we condemn people? By not paying a little money. By not what? By not paying a little money. Man, you're talking fast. Oh, by not. No, how do we condemn them? Like, like what? How, how, how can I be guilty of condemning you? Because I, I can't, like, in a court condemn you and, and, you know, put a sentence on you or a fine or something like that. I don't have that power. But the Bible says that I can condemn people. What's that? By causing them to sin? Yes. So like causing them to sin could be uh, an area or holding something over them, like something that they've done, um, taking judgment. Oh, man, do you see what they did? Oh, they shouldn't have done. Oh, they are going to walk in, you know, and we start condemning them for what they do. 
Yeah, pitchfork religion. Oh, Peter needs to hear this. I hope he's listening to what that pastor's saying because the Bible says stop it. Now, I'm going to go to the next verse because we're going to see the true context of this verse. This verse is typically used in offerings, but there's nowhere in this, this arena that he's talking about offerings other than the seed time and harvest. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. Now, he just said, don't judge. Then he says, give. Wait a minute. Is that give a positive give or a negative give? I would say it could be either because he says judge not. So you could give judgment or you could give a pass. You could give mercy or you could not give mercy. You could give love or you could give hate. Now, whether you put the positive, we'll use love and hate, whether you use the positive or the negative. Give and it shall be given to you. So if you're a hater, you know, they got that phrase going on. Okay, and you give hate, it shall be given to you. But, but it's not going to just be given to you. It's going to be pressed down, it's going to be shaken together, and it's going to be running over. Shall men give in to you? Because the whole element here, again, this verse is, is typically used, many people use this in offerings, which you can apply it, I don't have a problem with that, but it's just not contextual. Uh, re, I mean, let, let's just go... Uh, uh, go back up to verse 33 uh, or verse 35. Love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping to, uh, for nothing again. Your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest. Uh, for he is kind and unthankful uh, and to the evil. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So he's just saying here, even though they're unthankful, even though they're evil, give and it shall be given to you. Walk in love. Uh, love your enemies. Do good to them. Help somebody out. Don't expect to be paid back. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. This is a powerful scripture on how to live your life. But, but how many felt this at least one time? Okay, but, but, but we should look at it and say, you know what? It's not going to go well for me to do this. Jesus is showing us how to live his word out. And, uh, and how I walk with you how I talk with you, how I look at your life and analyze what you do, my heart's motive behind it is going to affect me. Go ahead, uh, bring her, uh, Tammy. So how do you separate then? Because we're supposed to judge prophecy, right? I mean... You judge prophecy, but you're not judgmental of prophecy. Okay. So judging prophecy is whether it's of the word of God or not. So prophecy within the church is supposed to edify, build up. And, and if it comes back as a slap you in the face, okay, that might not be a, a right prophecy. And then you look at the things going on in the world and you look at all the craziness, you know, that we saw of people that think that they're different genders and stuff like that. How do you not... I mean, you don't judge the people that are in sin, but... Well, you just, the way you phrase the question, I don't know if you, you meant it this way, but the way you phrase the sentence is you took the sin and added it to the person. Okay. Sin is sin. So the one you mentioned, yeah, it's a sin. But like I always say, so is gossiping. But nobody talks about, like the way you phrase the question, people don't phrase the question of a gossip that, oh, they shouldn't be gossiping. But how do you separate like, because you don't, we're not supposed to have, you know, we're not supposed to hang out with the world. So how do you separate? Well, you know? basically, it comes back to you. Like, you for you, me for me, is I should be working on the beams in my own eye. Not working, and, and let God be a light in my life. If God's a light in my life, I'm going to affect people, and God's going to open up doors for the people that I can touch. Uh, condemning people because of what they're doing, now it's judgment in my heart. 
because I'm looking at them and making a, a condemnation toward them or making a judgment toward them. So I, I guess the simple answer is you got to switch it in your brain, uh, but that's not like a real good answer that people, well, what does that mean? How you look at life and how you look at people. Jesus died for everybody, even Adolf Hitler. If, if Adolf Hitler would have received Jesus, he'd have been forgiven of all his sins. You know, some people that, that died in the process of Hitler might have a problem with that. Go ahead. Just for clarification, <clears throat> as a believer, I have no right to tell nobody who's going to hell. Why would you want to? I, num number one, you don't know what's going to happen between where they're at right now uh, and where they're going to end up. You might talk to somebody. It's like, you know, the road you're on is going to lead to destruction. Okay, uh, and, and try and that. try to, to get them if you're trying to help them. If you're just uh, to... I like the road to destruction. I'm, I'm going to work with that one. <laughs> but, but the heart's the same. I, I mean, it comes from the heart. Why am I saying it? Am I mad at the person and just wanting to show my Christianity? Or am I trying to help them and wake them up? Uh, the Bible talks about our love and how our love can affect, walking in love with a person can open their eyes. And then there's another, it's like in um, Titus or Jude or something like that. It says some people are only one with hellfire and brimstone. So there's some people that, that need to have that wake-up call, but not everybody. So, so knowing how and what my heart is motivating me to do, because uh, Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of your life. I, am I getting my jab in there? You know? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you, but you irritated me three times, so I'm going to get some stings in there, you know? Or am I truly trying to help you? Well, now you run into another ditch that if, if somebody doesn't witness to them that there is a heaven and a hell, uh, through the foolishness of preaching, man is saved. It, so if the preaching is not there, whether it's done in a setting like this or you're talking to somebody one-on-one, -on -one, uh, how are they ever going to learn if they never hear? But again, it comes back to the heart. Am I judging you for what you're doing? Or on you, are you on a trajectory that's going to lead you to a destination you don't want to go to? And I want to help you. Now, I realize, so let's say, say that that's, I see in your life, okay, you're, you're on a trajectory, you're going someplace. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I may still be working out my salvation, but I'm trying to work it out and I'm not speaking it from a judgmental manner. I'm speaking it from a help manner. And that's where the in Hebrews, it says the word of God is sharper than a two edged sword, dividing asunder between the heart or the, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows why we are really doing what we're doing. And if my desire I've been I've been straight with people. I can get straight. And uh, uh, Tammy was in a meeting uh, with me one time and she said, don't ever take me in a meeting with you again. And. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't trying to beat the person up. I was trying to get them to see. And, uh, and they, you know, there was a little hostility going on in there with it. They weren't really receiving it. But, but it's like, my desire is to help you. And, and you're, you're on a road that, that is going to not work out well for you. And so I was very straight with the person, and, uh, if, as Peter, Peter's straighter than I am. And uh, I so, uh, uh, <laughs> but... I know Peter's heart. Yeah, no. Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter's willing to sit down with something and have, and have some very hard conversations, but only because he knows I've come out of this and I can get you out of it. If you'll walk with me, I can get you there. Now, most people don't want to walk with him. Uh, and, uh, but, but, it, but his heart's there. Go ahead, uh, Jenny. Um, from a believer to believer, Pastor, doesn't the Bible say that you can judge a person by the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, but that, again, that's not judgmental. Uh, and the Bible says that the spirit judges all, or the spiritual judges all things. So I, I had a person tell me one time, I was talking to the husband, and uh, uh, he was talking to me about his wife, and he says, well, she really loves the Lord. I said, no, she doesn't. And I don't know, it didn't go well with him. He didn't like that. And um, he said, Yes, she does. I said, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, she ever go to church? No. 
You, you ever see her read the Bible? No. You ever see her pull off and pray? No. How can you tell me she loves? I, I, it's just by her fruits. I wasn't judging her. I just know where she stands because of the fruit of her life. Yeah. And, uh, and so our fruit will tell where our heart really is at. I think that's where we're getting confused. We're, we're thinking judging and judgmental the same thing because it's not the same yeah. word. It, it's, it's, it's this, this is judgment? Okay, the difference between being making judge, uh, judging something and being judgmental. Making judgment comes from a balanced and neutral mind. Being judgmental comes from an imbalanced and reactive mind that is seeking to protect itself from being hurt by others. And the observation, I mean, the uh, judging by the fruit, that's yeah. up. That's observation. That's observational. Yeah. I can look at the tree and see it's apples and not oranges. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, all you got to do is talk to somebody for a few minutes. You can tell if they're religious, if they're spiritual, or if they're carnal. It's not hard. Say, you don't know what's in my heart. Uh, if, I, if I stay around you very long, I do, because I'll hear you speak it. Judging is evaluating. Judgmental is discriminating. <laughs> and so what he's talking in here in this parable is about judging others. When, when you got your own problems, you got, you got a lifetime. I got a lifetime of fixing me. Uh, I tell you what, I've worked on David. I still fight David. I mean, I have literally, I'm a, I'm a person I know not, not very many people actively try to die to self. I do. I want to get all my wants, lusts, desires, uh, the things that I want, I want to get them out of the way. And uh, I've been working on this for years. It's hard. You ain't going to wake up one day and say, I ain't going to be me no more. No, you're not. Because you want something out of this life. And you're fighting to get it. That's human nature. And so once we get to, I, I want to walk with God and, and not be moved by my wants. The only thing I got to fight is David. Now, somebody may get sassy with me, but I don't have to fight them. I got to fight David from reacting. Somebody may stab me in the back. Uh, I don't have to fight back with them. I got to fight David from, from wanting to defend himself. And, uh, and when you start living a life to give, you want to help somebody. And the, the bad thing, and where most people miss it on giving, is real love sometimes has to walk down a hard road. It's not an emotional thing with God. He will love you and I. It pains him that people don't accept him. Not because he needs them from an emotional standpoint to accept them, because he knows the pain they're creating in their own life. Sin hurts. Sin will hurt your life. And he doesn't, that's why Jesus died on the cross, is to get us out of sin. Because sin hurts our life. And so and when we understand that love, then that's why the Bible says that he rebukes those that he loves. He's not rebuking because he's a rebuker and wants to rebuke. He rebukes because he knows the path that the person's going on is going to lead to destruction, and he wants to wake them up. All right. That parable went longer than I thought. All right. Are we, are we good on that? Go to Matthew chapter 18. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servant. And when he had begun to reckon one, to reckon one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will repay thee. The Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him all the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou oughtest. Uh, losing sight of what we have been forgiven of. Do you know why? Because we go by the intention of our heart and we judge others based on what they do. It's easy to hold somebody else accountable for things we don't hold ourselves accountable to. 
As I said a few minutes ago, we judge our lives by our intentions. We judge other people by what they do. Verse 29, And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will, I will pay thee all. And he would not, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he called him, uh, he called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because you desired it. Now, how many debts has uh, Jesus forgiven us of? Okay, so what, what do we have to hold somebody else in judgment of? Yet we do. Now, Jesus is telling us how life works, how to live in his kingdom, how to, how to walk in his power. Shouldest not thou have also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was angry. Um, his Lord was angry. You know what the tribulation is? It's called the wrath of God. And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Now remember, Mark chapter 4, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any. You're sowing and you're reaping. Watch this in verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone. Pause here. What does everyone mean? Who's missing out of everyone? One of his brothers, their trespasses. Jesus came, paid a price for us, so that all of our debt, the wages of sin, is death. So just like the wages of your job is a paycheck. So if you get paid every Friday, you work 40 hours. On, on Friday, they give you a paycheck, wages of your employment. Sin leads us to death. Death is the wage of sin. When we sin, it's just like you're working at your job, you're building something up, so at Friday they can give you a check. When you sin, you're building something up, and a wage is going to be paid, which is death, destruction. It ain't going to go well. And he said, Jesus, Jesus came, died on a cross, so that all of our sins may be forgiven us. And then somebody does something to us. How dare they? And we get offended. We don't talk to them. For, you know how many parent children, they haven't talked to each other for 20 years? Because somebody did something. And now they don't want, they're holding a debt over them. How many friends that have been like besties in the, uh, but then something happened and they won't talk. No, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. They, they hurt me. You believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. He forgive you of your sins? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Praise God. The cross. How, how, who are you to hold a, a debt over somebody else's head? Jesus is telling us how to live in his kingdom. How the kingdom works. And this is where I go back to the recent live streams. This walking with each other, man, it's a big deal. And, and it ain't easy. I mean, try preaching and you get 43 different faces looked at you <laughs> from one person. All right. Now, remember, let's go back to verse 23 where we started. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us how heaven works. Now, when we got down to the end, so likewise, my heavenly father will do also unto you. What did he do? He threw him in the tormentors. He's talking about our eternity here. How, how can we say we love the Lord? How can we say that we've received everything he's done and then we can't forgive somebody else for what they've done? We hold it over their head. We bring it back up. We'll only let them get so close to us now because, uh, because they hurt me last time. It's, it's natural to do that. I get that. But it's not biblical. All right, last one. Matthew 13. Just right there, a couple pages to your left. 1324. 
Another parable put Jesus forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, again, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed, among, sowed tares among the, uh, among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in the field? From whence then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Without then that we go and gather them up, let's, let's take the tares out so that our wheat's good. But he said, No, lest while that you gather up the tares, you uh, Ye root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. But, they, uh, but gather the wheat into my barn. So now many people have taught this from the standpoint of there's tares in the church. And, um, uh, you know, the, uh, um, that w- and goes in there like revelations and stuff like that. There will be... One, uh, two in the bed, one's taken, one's left. And, you know, that at the, the coming of Christ or, at, you know, the appearing of the church or at the end of time, God's going to separate them and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But actually, this, this parable is like the parable in Mark chapter 4, where after he taught this parable, uh, he's alone with the disciples. And they said, huh, can you explain this to me? And, uh, and so, um, so Jesus... In verse 36, explains this to them. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the seed are the children of the kingdom. So God places, or Jesus places, the seed us or born again believers in the world where he wants them this, this goes into if you go the field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom and the son is the sower this is this is where ta- people i think people do it wrong they will move they will go places they will do things and get in positions and then find a good church go where god wants you be where god wants you the parable right there, he just said, the, the sower is the son of God, and the seed is us, and the ground is the world. But the terrors are the children of the wicked one. And the in, so those are the heathen, those are the unbelievers. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. So the, the devil's going to put people in places. But what did he say? That they're going to be... Uh, uh, they're going to be together because remember the parable was that the wheat and the tares grew up together. Now, you've you got to understand what's saying because, you know, people get a job and they want out of their job instead of looking at it as their mission field, their ministry. Oh, man, I got to get out of here. Everybody in here is just wicked. Yeah, grow up together because you should have light to shine and, and so that they can see and maybe have a hope of finding Christ. He, he didn't call us just sit in the church and be happy together. We're not monks. Let's just stay here. Everything's good. Haven't sinned yet. No, get out there amongst people. He said, you're going you're gonna to live with them, not literally, like metaphorically. You're going to live with them. You know, your job, your, the grocery store, you're going to be around them. And, and God's not going to separate you from them. Because the Son of God placed you in the midst of them. I mean, knowing that the devil's going to place them in the midst. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered. Now, I read a thing on tares. Just one thing, I didn't validate it. But they said that back in the day, and like when this was written, there was a weed. They actually named the name of the weed, and it looked like wheat. And uh, so uh, nowadays, agriculture, they, they can come apart or they make chemicals that will kill one and won't kill the other one and everything like that. But uh, the, the metaphor of the agriculture is you, you, you don't know which one's going to be right. Because today, they may be a major pain, but three weeks from now, they may be born again. 
because of your light. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Kind of sounds like a description of hell. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. To who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so God wants us to grow up. You know, we're the wheat, we're the seed. To grow up, we're amongst the heathen. We should let our light shine. And again, it goes back to sowing and reaping. I'm going to sow love. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be around heathen. My life should affect them. And if I will do this, then I will reap based on what I am sowing. The Mark chapter 4 parable that we talked. And so everything comes back to this sowing and reaping. And everything comes back to how I live with you. But not only how I live with you, how I live with that ornery neighbor, two doors down. I had to put two doors down because mom is my neighbor, so I had to skip <laughs> over her. And, um, but, um, you know, that person across the street that plays music at all hours of the, the night. And, uh, and how, I, how I behave, am I going to let my life shine around the heathen? Let's stand. All right, we covered three, um, three parables tonight. Let me reiterate something. The parables teach us how to live. Stop judging people. Start judging yourself. If you judge yourself, you won't be judged because you're going to start dealing with the things that's causing you to be ornery, <laughs> causing you to, to not keep your mouth shut and learning the language of science. It's causing you to go chase the, the, the things of the world and not... not uh, Walk with God. We, we've got to walk. We've got to live. Because the actions of our life is determining our life. And those that we affect are going to be affected by our Christian life or our carnal life. And there's people going to hell. And we need to affect them.